Welcome back to Soulback. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here. I'm here with Ed. Ed, what's going on? Hey, player, what's going on? How was your week? Oh, you know, I ran 10K uh, earlier today, ate like a whole pizza by myself. So I'm a little out of it, but we got to do it for R&B, Ed. <laughs> well, there'll be lots of running your mouths and eating a bunch of garbage because that's what we do on this podcast. Absolutely. And uh, Tom's not here today. He's still on vacation. So we'll get him back soon, hopefully sooner than later. But Ed, having a child must like change your whole life, like literally. Well, obviously. And people keep telling me, oh, when are you guys, you've been married forever. When are you going to have a child? It's very easy to say when all you have to do is see photos of the child and hit like on Facebook. Having a whole human being fall out of your body and then raise them, feed them and give them money for the next 20 years is a pretty big commitment that I don't think a lot of people get. That's just me. Well, I got a question for you. Um, as you know, I went running today and during my hour of running, everything like that I ate over the last 29 years of my life sort of like came into my mind. I'm like, I shouldn't have had that. I shouldn't have ha- had that. should have passed on that, that brownie when I was 15. Uh, when it comes to <laughs> R&B music, because we're in such a crazy stage where there's so much trash out there how do you detox yourself from all that trash do you just go back and listen to the keith sweat albums ed um yes that's what you have to do it's called a palate cleanser player you got to go back to something when you consume so much junk in your mouth you got to go back to the things that you know will leave a sweet taste so you go back to the old favorites and i mean we we joke a lot about on the podcast about the good old days and that's not to discount that there are some good stuff every this year, last year, every year. It's just a little bit harder to find. But when you get depressed, you got to go back to those nostalgia trips, player. You got to go back to the stuff that made you a fan in the first place. So that's when you go all the way back to the Key Sweat album where he's wearing that gigantic blue and yellow sweater with gray jeans. I don't know what the fashion was going on there, but you know the music was popping. Well... And we also have to give a shout out here when we talk about cleaning and cleaning out the palate and dropping gems. Can we give a shout out to Barry Gordy, who just retired at the age of 89? Man, you talk about a legendary career. Y'all love, y'all love to throw around adjectives like legend and icon and this and that. If you don't know Barry Gordy, if you don't know the impact he has had on not only our genre, but every genre, and the world as a whole, that is who we should be reserving the words legend and icon for. Not some weirdo who came out with a song two weeks ago that you sort of like. It's not an icon. Gordy is an icon. So shout outs to Mr. Motown. What do you think he's going to do with the rest of his life? Probably just sleep on his stack of cash and dive in his Scrooge McDuck <laughs> money bin. That's what I would do. We need to bring him on this podcast so we can ask him about the state of R&B. This is Mr. Oh, Motown my. right here, Ed. I feel like that would be the one question we would ask, and then we would get like a 45-minute response. You remember the um, Peebo interview? It'd be like that, yep. except on steroids. Well, I'm going to be excited for that. And Ed, can we give another another artist shout-out? Can we give a shout-out to Kenny G, who will be featured Kenny on Kanye's G? new album? Which I think is supposed oh my to be God. Uh, out today, actually. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. The Kanye album, as of this recording, y'all, the Kanye album was going to come out on Friday. Then it was going to come out at 8 p.m. Then it was going to come out on Sunday. And poor Kim K is out here sending tweets. Have faith. It's coming. Well, how about you have faith in this the time system? If it's coming, give it to us. If it's not, shut up. I don't know why we got Kenny G on the album, but you know I'm skeptical of Kanye these days anyway. Just check us out next week if this magical Apple album drops. And you can hear all of my vitriol about that. Because you know I'll be fussing. Listen, Ed, but we do have to give a shout-out to Kenny G. That saxophone that he used to play on those Babyface and Tony Braxton records, he's R&B, Ed. Oh, th- listen, Kenny G, it, we can joke if we want to. My my um, aunt is a huge Kenny G fan. But he has really contributed to the genre in ways I think a lot of younger people don't know when it comes to his instruments. But Kenny G in 2019 on a Kanye album with the clips... Uh, sounds kind of weird. Sounds like eating donuts with filet mignon and Sour Patch Kids and ice cream and a big old fried chicken sitting on the top. It's just like a whole lot of stuff mixed together. 
We shall see if that, it makes me want to throw up. That actually sounds pretty good, but that's you just me. Play it. You just ran 10K. <laughs> Chill out. You're gonna throw All up. right. All right. Well, uh, Brandy dropped a new song, Freedom Rings. And, Ed, I want to put a disclaimer on this. This is not her first single. It's just, it was just like a teaser for the album. And to celebrate her 25-year anniversary of her debut. So do you want to talk about the new song first, or do you want to go back in time? Well, let's talk about the bad before we talk about the good. So let's talk about the new song, and then we can talk about oh. the good old days. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Well, you what asked. did you think? Well, I think I just told you. Well, dude, let's give it a little bit more context. I am not a fan of the song. I didn't like... There's a lot of weird, screamy vocals there. And I understand she was trying to do something different. But she's known for that that soft, that rasp, that tone, that huskiness. And again, we talk a lot of times on this podcast about the importance of our artists doing some different things and stretching things out. And everything can't sound like... Um, every other album that came out since 1998. We got to do something different. This didn't quite work. I didn't like the screechy vocals. The writing was a little awkward. Just was not a fan overall. Yeah, and I'm with you. I feel like this song, vocally, Brandy sounds great. But when we talk about this as an actual song, structurally, it's weird. It kind of feels like she was just trying to put as many words as she could into the song. Um, and it kind of just lost its meaning because of that. I think we need to remember that it's okay to be simple with your records. You don't need to put a million words into it. And as a song, I didn't like it. And I definitely would not have loved it if it was her first single. So thank you to all the press releases that came out that reiterated that it is not her first single. Because I would have been very upset. But <laughs> yeah, this record wasn't for me. I think sonically, what she was trying to do with the production, I don't have a problem with that. I think it was fresh. It had, you know, the guitars kind of sounded a little country, actually. But I had no problem with that. But the song itself, it doesn't make me more excited for the album. Um, I know she had the record with Daniel Caesar, which was which was cool. I didn't have a problem with that. But uh, there's still nothing so far that has me begging for more. I'm totally with you there. I think that was a good breakdown. Again, I know someone will be in my mentions for my throat for Dare dissing Queen Brandy, but you know we we are fans of Brandy, but I wasn't a big fan of this one. Well, the good news is, um, and, and Tom will be very uh, mad about this because Tom doesn't like old artists collaborating with new ones. Ro James is set to put out a duet with Brandy, I believe, next week. Will Tom be upset about that one? No, he'll probably like that one. You know, Tom is all over the place, hypocritical as our boy is. He'll like that <laughs> one because it's an artist that he likes. As long as it's an artist he likes, it's okay to go back and forth in the split generation. But if it's somebody he don't like, nope. So we can't have a Mary J collaborating with her because he don't like her. But it would be okay if Ro James was collaborating with Mariah. You heard it here. Interesting. <laughs> well, that's set to come out next week, from my understanding. Now, Ed, let's go back in time. Twenty-five years since the Brandy debut album. I know social media has been going crazy over that album. Take me back to nineteen ninety. What is it? Four. Ninety-four. Let me take you back from a player who was actually there, not somebody who was reading about it on the internet and then posting about it on Twitter like they know what they were talking about. Brandy in ninety-four. It's very hard to describe anybody in our current scene because it was not only was she kind of this, she was soon to be one of the biggest faces in R&B, but even in 94, she was kind of known as doing the acting thing. She was kind of split in two worlds, but when she dropped her first song, and I'm talking about, as we all know, I Want to Be Down, I think it was a song that really resonated with her audience. It res. Brandy's my age. She is of my generation. So that was a song that all the girls in my class, everybody was doing the weird little hand thing from the video. If you've seen the video, you know what I'm talking about. The weird DDP diamond cutter, whatever butterfly thing they were doing. <laughs> so everybody was doing that. And she really was an artist that really touched the generation. We talk about today how Drake really touches the generation that he speaks to, or Chris Brown touches the generation that he speaks to. 
Brandy touched that generation. And when that debut dropped, people were going crazy because it was she was one of us. She was talking about things from a perspective that we could relate to. And I think that's why even to this day, it has gone on to be an album that's really beloved and renowned. The thing that I have has really kind of like captivated me about this album as I've in the past uh, 10, 15 years been on the internet and seen standums grow and come. One thing that's always surprised me is that how younger generations really embrace Brandy, like really embrace her. And it's weird to me because I have seen younger generations pretty much, they will latch on to someone of their generation and go forward. They don't usually go backward. So if you started listening to music, say, in the mid-2000s, you're probably going to latch on to Chris Brown and, and that crew. But there's so many younger people who are huge Brandy fans. And I think it really is due to some of these early albums being universal and speaking to younger audiences. Also doesn't hurt that vocally, I think that she has kind of become the Whitney of really your generation, Kyle. Because she has the vocals to back it up. Whereas in my generation, we kind of look to Whitney and being like, oh man, she's incredible. Brandy, I think, does that for your generation. And it all started right here with this album. I Want to Be Down. We had Baby, which, quite honestly, they played Baby into the ground. So to this day, I clearly don't like listening to it. I skip it when it comes up as number two. Best Friend, of course, Broken Hearted. They turned that into a duet. Really, really good album. I don't like the interludes. The dedicated interludes kind of get on my nerves. But besides that, (laughs) great, great project and a very solid debut. Well, I think, and you make a great point about the younger generation latching on to Brandy. I don't know if this is an album that they latch on to too much. I've seen a lot of Never Say Nevers and Full Moon. Does the youth gravitate towards this one as well? I think it's a little of both. I think that when you go back, and again, this is just my experience on speaking to younger fans on social media. I think that the... 98 album and Full Moon, both of those were kind of like gateway drugs, so to speak, for lack of a better term. So those are the ones that got them hooked. Then they went back and appreciated. Compared to like a a, uh, Mariah, I feel like the gateway drug for her was Emancipation. A lot of younger fans like that album. But when they go back and listen to her debut, they don't really like it because the sound is so different. That's when Mariah was straight up on yep. her pop stuff. And they were kind of like, oh, I don't like this. But Brandy's debut is a little bit more linear. It kind of feels a little bit more like that. So I think that's a little bit more embraced. So while a lot of younger people, this might not have been the first one that they liked. I think when they went back, it was something they appreciated. Because like I said, it does speak to them. Well, those same young people also call 211 a classic, so, you know. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I still don't get <laughs> yeah. the 211 love. It's all right, I don't know. though. It's all right. Ed, is this, is this debut a classic? Hmm, great question. I would say no, but I would say that hesitantly because you could make definite arguments for a classic. Remember what I, my kind of, scale for classics is one that is a album that defines a generation which this kind of does one that kind of defines someone's career which it kind of does and which has music that kind of endures that's it kind of does i think the singles do the overarching album some of the album cuts i think don't necessarily resonate as much as the singles so that's the one little shaky point so to me, it's very close. I wouldn't say yes, but wouldn't twist my arm too hard to say otherwise. Pretty close. Good point there. And another artist that has really gravitated towards this generation, this new generation that we're in that we're both too old for, is her. Yeah. Gabby Wilson has dropped a bunch of EPs, a bunch of songs. She just dropped another one, and this is probably her most mainstream commercial song yet. We talked about Rack's probably, I guess, two months ago, and now she's dropped another new song, Slide. Ed, I don't know if this is on an EP or if this is the actual single, but it features your boy YG. Oh, my God. (laughs) YG. A lot of people say, let me throw this in right quick before we get back to her. I know a lot of people are like, man, 
when I look at your album reviews, you always like give everything like a, even though you're mean, your album reviews are too nice because everything you review is positive most of the time. And you know why that is? It's because I pick and choose which albums I decide to write about. Cause I don't write a lot about albums that I don't want to hear because that's a waste of my time. Let me say this for the record. YG's album that everybody was hyped up on earlier this summer is one of the worst albums I have heard in the past two years. It is terrible. Ouch. If I reviewed <laughs> it, it would get like a two or a one and a half. I hated that album. So just putting that out there, everything don't get three and a halves because I'm nice. It's just because those are the ones I feel like writing about. So to your point about YG, you can imagine what I thought about this song. This is my least favorite her song. And not just for YG, because he's awful, but her just didn't, it just is the sound clash. It does not work to me at all. And to your point, like Rax, when we talked about Rax the last time, Rax is an obvious play for radio. Her has a lot of critical success, not a lot of commercial success at the moment. So this is our chance or her chance to kind of get high on the charts, LMA style. Player, this ain't it, homie. This ain't the one. I am not feeling it. Yeah, I mean, it's a definite play for radio, and I guess the selling point is that both YG and her are from the West Coast, and it sort of has that West Coast bounce to it. Not my type of record, but Ed, let me ask you this, because her already has a body of work and a pretty big following based on the success of her EPs. She's won a Grammy for it, of course. And Mm -hmm. this kind of takes me back to when Tinashe first came out with Two On. And of course, she had a little cult following from her mixtapes, but the mainstream hadn't really latched onto her yet. And so when she put Two On, the expectation was that she had to continue in that trendy route. So whenever she put out something that was a little more alternative or, or, or different, I don't think the mainstream could connect with it. Due to the fact that her already has a following and they all love songs like Focus, putting a song like Slide, it won't necessarily hurt her too much, right? I agree. I don't think it'll hurt her too much when we're talking about her core fans. But at this point, and it's something we talk about all the time out here, labels don't care about the core fans. They care about the mainstream. They want to hop up on them. I'm surprised they haven't thrown Cardi B at her yet. They want someone who can get her on these urban playlists, these top 40 playlists, because they think she has potential in that realm. So the thing that I think makes her a little bit safe is that she has made such a strong play in her circle just doing what she did. Unlike Tanache, who had a lot of underground success, and then they threw her in the mainstream, and it worked one time, and then they just couldn't recapture the magic. So it's not going to hurt her that much, but if she keeps going down this route, it will. Well, the good news, Ed, is uh, speaking of Tanashi, she's now signed to Rock Nation. I'm not sure how that's going to benefit her career, but she made an Instagram video the other day and said she's finally free to make whatever she wants. So we shall see, Ed. But um, we shall on a side see. Note, Everybody signed the freaking Rock Nation. I think Tom signed the Rock Nation. That's why he hasn't <laughs> been on the past two weeks. This is true. But Ed Tanashi posted her phone number on uh, on her Instagram, and I texted her. Yes, yes. Tell this story because when you said you were going to text, I told you that you were insane, and you proved me right. Yeah. So I was going through my Instagram, scrolling through it, looking at my stories, and Tanashi sends a little screen cap in her story that says text me with a weird emoji face and it gave me like an actual number so i'm like okay i've got nothing better to do right now so i texted her and like instantaneously she replied and was like hey let me know your name and your email so i can lock your uh lock your number down and i'll text you back so immediately i was like no this is probably a scam um ed didn't you say this is how like identity theft happens Player, yes. This is how you get on email lists. This is how your stuff... You you ever wonder how you get these random texts? It's like, text 4400 now and you can win a free laptop. You're like, how did they get my number? Because your dumb is out here talking to fake Tanache on Instagram. That's how they get your stuff, player. They get it. They sell it to the highest bidder. Or in some cases, 
there's somebody in Taiwan is buying a bunch of PlayStation games with your credit card. That's how this stuff happens. And all, all I really wanted to do was slide into Nashi's DMs. <laughs> Sad. Instead, you're going to be sliding in debtor's court because your credit cards are going to get run through the roof. Right. All right, Ed, can I make a bet with you? You can, but I don't know how this is going to turn out for either of us. Will her have an album out by December 31st, 2019? No. No? No. You said 2019? No. Yeah, so in like three months. No. All right. Well, I mean, this, I mean, this is 2019. They, you know, anybody can just throw an album out in the street. And then, I mean, look at Kanye. You can just throw it out there and people will go nuts. But they're clearly trying to build toward an album and it's not working. They tried with YBN Corday. That didn't work. Now they're trying with YG. That didn't work. So now they're going to try with the Migos. Watch. Because they, they started at like the high level rappers. They kind of sound like her sound. But now we're slowly going down the food chain and getting more trendy losers. So we're going to get to the bottom of the barrel, throw Lil Xan on a track with her, and just see what happens. I think the winning uh, recipe is Ty Dolla Sign and Jeremiah. They're like on every song and it seems to work <laughs> for some reason. Honestly, you might be right. That is probably the winning recipe. I'm surprised they haven't done that yet. Yep. Now, Ed, can we talk about Robin Thicke for a second? He dropped a new single. Out of nowhere, speaking of songs that came out of nowhere, you just hit me up a few hours ago, in fact, and was like, check this out. And it's really good. And... I feel like Ed, and you might disagree, but when it comes to consistency, aside from the Paula album, um, I think Robin Thicke in this, and, and we of course started ranking the songs of the decade in the 2010s, Robin Thicke has quietly dropped probably some of the better R&B songs of, from this decade, and all of them have been quality for the most part. Of course, he has some misses from time to time. But when we look at the strong points, Robin Thicke has delivered for the most part. Mm, as I'll agree with that with this caveat, because I do think there's a little bit of revisionist history going on there. When he's good, he's good. And since the Paula album, I think that was the last album, since then, he has quietly dropped a single here, a single there, you're right, I was working on that um, list earlier today, and I was like, man, if I got Morning Sun was so great. But he has quietly dropped singles here and there that are outstanding. But the problem with him, and this to me ties into the consistency, if you drop one song every year and a half and then vanish, I don't know if I can chalk that up to consistency. And we know how terrible Paulie is. Really, over just being honest, I'm a fan of Robin Thicke, but he's another artist that has... Tricky time putting together a solid album. He's got some good ones, but a lot of them are all over the place. But he does know how to put out a solid single here and there. So he has done that for the most part. But I'm still a little tentative because I still got a little bit of heartburn from Paula. And some of those <laughs> other albums are kind of in. But yes, when it comes to just dropping random singles, he's good at that. When it comes to overall yeah. career consistency, eh, sometimes, sometimes not. Will Blurt Lines make your top decade uh, songs of the year? I think so. I, look, people hate on that song. People hate on Blurt Lines and all the fake controversy behind it. There's a lot of stuff. You can go to E.T. Bowser and yell at me. I still don't think it's a rape song. Listen to what he's saying. He did not say... Ugh. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that because I'm get get hot play. I get hot about these things. <laughs> yep. Blurred Lines uh, is a perfectly fun song. I like it. I enjoy it. If you don't like it, whatever. But I like it. Well, Ed, I was on your cipher the other day and somebody posted a link to someone in Marvin Gaye's family, maybe his son or his grandson. They dropped a new record. And the description one of your cipher members wrote is, somebody give Robin Thicke his money back um, because it's that <laughs> terrible. That song was awful. I, I can't even remember the name of it, but I'm sure a lot of you listening have heard it. It went in a little mini viral thing a few week, a week or two ago. This song is awful. It's The video looks so cheap. Dude sounds terrible. He looks like T-Pain's cousin 
that's been roaming the streets for a couple years is awful in every way, shape, and form. This is what you're doing with your blurred lines money? Putting this out? Well, like, stop. We're going to also have to get him on the podcast to uh, call him out for that. But uh, before we do that, we got to call out someone out. Call out someone else, Ed. That's what we do here. Who we got to get on now? Uh, so K. Michelle dropped a new record with uh, some of your favorites. Uh, City Girls Ugh. and Cash Doll, the song Superbad. Ugh. And uh, talk about the Superbad song first, Ed. What a... If you haven't heard this song, what an apropos name for Superbad. Because this song is exactly what it's advertised to be. I'm sure there will there will be many of you who will love it because it's turn up and yay, we having fun and yes, honey, twerk, whatever. Song is terrible. K. Michelle can do so much better. It's like they aren't even trying, dog. Like if you listen, like K. Michelle isn't even trying. It's like they were like, it's like all four of them went in a room together. Well, I guess three because one of the city girls still in jail last time I checked. But three of them got in a room and were like, we're going to put out a song. Okay, just randomly scream something into this microphone and we'll make it work. And that's what this song sounds like to me. But I'm sure y'all will talk about how it's an iconic song with legendary artists and yay, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You'll forget about it before the end of the month. And saying that this is the end of the month, that shows how much staying power it has. Well, Ed, K. Michelle is independent now, so I guess she needs to drop a record like that to keep her names in the streets. And uh, I'm sure she'll drop some nice ballads, uh, which she does on every album. Although every album, if correct me if I'm wrong, but every album is like the same album. It's like the Charlie Wilson <laughs> syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> you basically, you beat me to it. Every album is exactly the same. You got two or three really good ballads. You got a couple songs where she cussing some dude out that are funny, ironically. And then there's a whole bunch of, man. Well, Ed, speaking of mess, did you see what K. Michelle said about men in a recent interview? I'm afraid. No, I didn't see that. She said, I don't think men are good people. The reason for that is they do things that they consider small, like cheating. And that ends up destroying their partner. And it happens again and again. She's generalizing here. We're good people. Player, listen, this is what makes me mad. This is what gets me upset. Because, and I know somebody's going to be like, it's not the same. Yes, it is the same. If some knuckle-headed dude, Tyrese usually in these cases, came out and said that exact same statement and changed men to women in that descriptor, y'all would rake him over the coals to generalizing. So why is it any different? What she said was a horrible generalization. And it may be every man that she has ever talked to in her life has been part of this. Well, you need to talk to some better brothers because I know many. And you're talking to two of them. You're listening to two of them on this podcast in healthy relationships that aren't garbage like this. So the generalizations got to, generalizations got to stop. So lame to me and corny and short-sighted. Right. And... Bobby V actually dropped a new record called Everybody, and uh, in the chorus he says something along the lines of, uh, you know, you text me I love you, but do you do that ish to everybody? Ed, we can relate to that. Don't we have those questions? (laughs) Yes, we have these questions. And let me say this about this song. I was ready to hate on it. It's kind of catchy. I was like, man, this song is so stupid. And then by the time it gets to the hook, I'm kind of bopping to it. And then I turn the song off, and it's still in my head. And I go back and listen to it again. That's the recipe for a catchy little hit. That song stuck with me way longer than it should have. Yeah, same here. And uh, just an FYI for everyone, because Tim Kelly wanted us to clarify. Uh, he didn't produce the song. I know Bobby is signed to Tim's label, but uh, he just wanted to put that out there. Um, it's actually produced by a newcomer, so we wanted to make sure that he gets his credit. I forget his name right now, so my apologies. But shout out to the newcomer and shout out to Bobby V for the well, new shout out to record. new guy. Shout yeah, out to I mean guy. it sounded definitely out of Tim's playbook. So I, when you say that, I didn't even think twice about it. Yeah, um, Ed, do you remember the the Bobby V song "Beep Beep"? Unfortunately, yes, I remember. That. Yeah, I just. I just remember that song. I didn't like that song. <laughs> Why did you bring that up just to raise my blood pressure? That song was awful. I got one better for you. What about Miss Officer? 
Oh, oh, oh. First of all, you can't see me. Y'all can't see me, but I literally just hit the floor at the very mention of that terrible song. One of my least favorite songs of all time. Who thought this was a good idea? And then they made a video for it. Like, is it, it did he really, <laughs> is this song really about Lil Wayne, like, trying to seduce a police officer? Or is it, like, one of those strippers that dress up like police officers? That I couldn't tell. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to tell you either. But what I can tell you, Ed, is Kevin Ross dropped a new song. Thing called And Love, yes, we can and... finally, yes, a song we, a, a song finally we can talk about that I like. Here's a song Ed. I like. This song, I really like this song. Well, first of all, initially it reminded me of Redbone by uh, Childish Gambino. It had that sort of vibe yeah. to it, but Kevin yes, Ross can actually sing, so. <laughs> I, I didn't even make that comparison, but you're right. It is Redbone with somebody who can sing. So I really like that song. What did you think, Ed? I thought it was pretty solid. You can never go wrong with our boy Kevin, one of the most underrated kind of acts of the past few years and somebody that I really hope can push R&B forward in the next decade that's coming up. Man, time is flying. I really like this song a whole lot and it's one that I I don't know if there's any word on a new project but feels like something that could easily anchor any new project he has coming up. I am yeah, so he, feeling it. So Ed, he has an album coming out later this fall um, on his own uh, solo independent distribution. I think he's linked up with Empire, so uh, stay tuned. And I actually spoke to Troy Taylor, who's a frequent collaborator collaborator of his. And uh, when he Troy actually vocally produced that record, and initially when Kevin wrote it, and and this might be just some like insider information, and it might not make sense to the general listener. Honestly, it didn't really make sense to me. But initially, when Kevin had recorded the song vocally, he was sounding a little too pretty on the song and troy had mm-hmm. to get him to re-record it so it sounded a little more i don't know what the right word he said gritty i don't know if gritty was the right word but there's a reason why kevin sounds the way that he does on the song it just made sense for the production but see that is the difference between that is the we need more producers who are willing to do that because I have always been of the thought that the vocal performance has to match the lyrics. A song is really about storytelling. So if there is a very sad story that's being told, you can't be telling it in the most happy way. That's my problem with a lot of these newcomers and the music they're putting out. They sing every song the exact same way. I'm happy and in love. Why you sound so sleepy? I'm sad and depressed. And why you sound so sleepy? I'm turning up at the club. And why you sound so sleepy? Oh, I'm trying to get my man, but he don't want me. And I don't know what to do. Then why you sound so sleepy? Everything is portrayed in the same vocal tone and pattern. That's why your album's so boring. That's why you have no range or no diversity in your lyrics and your tone and your storytelling. What we, what, and, and we know Kevin can sing. So it's not like this is a brother that can't sing. But to his credit, maybe that original performance just didn't match the vibe that the song was trying to give out. I love hearing stuff like that, and we need more of it. That's artistry, y'all. So, Ed, I take it you were not satisfied with Chris Brown's vocal performance on No Guidance? Um, no. When was the last time I've been satisfied with his vocal performance anyway? Fine China? <laughs> Probably. Literally. Literally that. I had a conversation right before this recording with a friend of mine, and we were talking about the last good Chris Brown song. And I was like, fine, China, probably. He's had a couple since then, but we'll talk about that later. Uh, Stokely dropped a new song, She. Now, this song has been on the radio for a couple of weeks now, and it finally dropped on the internet. Ed, does that make sense for you in 2019? I I know we've talked about this before. We've talked about this at nauseum, and you know, Stokely's a different type of artist. He's a di- from a different era, so it doesn't surprise me that he might want to serve radio first. I'm not really mad at that. It's weird, because I didn't even know the song existed until right before this podcast when you mentioned it. But I checked it out, and I'm a fan of it. There's, I don't think there's a such thing as a bad Stokely song. If it is, I ain't ever heard it. And once again, this is another winner. So it's interesting that he went that route, but maybe for him it's... Just old habits. Like, hey, I'm going to break in through radio. That's where my fans are. 
my fans aren't yelling at each other on Instagram or screaming at each other on Twitter. So if that's where he feels that he needs to go to reach that audience, good for him. Right. Now, Ed, I got a couple of projects that I want to talk about that are coming up. Some new albums. Uh, Fantasia, we talked about her extensively last week. About mm-hmm. Especially her comments calling her previous album uh, the definition of trash, which we both thought was insane. Not because we thought the album was great, but, you know, it's very it weird trash. that we can see an artist. Yeah, it's, it's weird seeing an artist call their own project trash. So, yeah. Ed, I actually took it upon myself because I interviewed her last week and I asked her about that. And what I got from that, and I will post the full, full interview probably later this week. I've been posting a bunch of interviews, so you guys got to calm down and be patient here. But <laughs> essentially in the interview, uh, she said, you know, there was nothing necessarily wrong with the last couple of projects that she's done. She, honestly, she said after the first two albums that, that she's done, she's, she hasn't really been extremely satisfied with the rest of them. And the reason for that, Ed, is because when she was on American Idol... She was just known as a singer, not an R&B singer, not a pop singer, not a gospel singer. She was just a singer. But after she won American Idol and got signed, she felt that the label was trying to box her into just being R&B, which as a team player, she played along with. But I think creatively and musically, it just wasn't satisfying her enough. So before we talk about the new album, which, you know, we've both have had a chance to listen to, shout outs to Primary Wave for sending us, sending us an advanced copy, let's talk about that comment for a second. She doesn't want to be known as just an R&B artist. Is that fair? I think for her it's fair. I think it might be, it might feel like betrayal for a lot of R&B fans who have kind of put her in a position and on a pedestal as being, this is one of our few Real R and you know how much I get annoyed by that real R and B term. This is one of our few pure real R and B artists out here, and then we find out, hey, she didn't really want to do that in the first place. Because I think I understand her frustration as an artist. Because I'm not a music artist, but I get this as a writer. Sometimes you want to experiment. Sometimes you want to do something different. Sometimes you want to try some new things and try to reach new audiences and approach old problems in new ways. It's kind of hard to do that when people are like, nope, you have to do it this way and only this way. And it's kind of handcuffing and limiting. So I understand that. However, the R&B fan in me is a little bit like, hey, this is what you're good at. I'm not mad at experimentation. I'm not mad at putting some new tools in your toolbox. I'm not mad at you trying to try to find new ways to talk to your audience differently. But you also... And I don't think she means it like this, but you have to be careful with terminology like that because it makes it sound like that you're walking away from the audience that, you know, put money in your pocket. You don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. So I don't think she meant to do that, but it is can a little disconcerting, especially for R&B fans. We're like, OK, this is ours. We don't have too many R&B artists out here who are feeding us and serving us and giving us what you want. But she's doing it, and then she's like, I ain't really want to do that in the first place. It can be a little disheartening, especially when you're trying to put out a new project, because are they going to ride for you after you just said that? It's weird. So I'm conflicted, but I understand her frustration. And that reminds me, the, the last few people that said, I'm not just R&B, I make music for everyone. That was Usher and Neo, and uh, that was in like 2010. No. And that didn't turn out Ooh. well, but... This album right here, Sketchbook, we both had a chance to listen to it. And Fantasia, to her credit, she does follow through with the fact that she doesn't want to just be known as an R&B singer. There were some trap beats on it, like the Holy Ghost, um, the T-Pain song, obviously, Ed. She had a couple of, um, you know, it, it was very musical still. So it's not a 360, or not 360, but a 180 turn from what we know from Fantasia, but Ed, what did you think of the album? Because personally for me, you know, and I'm a little salty because she said her last album was trash. I don't think this album was amazing by any stretch. Well, that's the weird thing. And I talked about that last week or whenever it was we last discussed it when artists are like, oh, that last thing I did, that was trash. But this new thing I did, oh, now that's the heat. 
Because you told us, I guarantee you, and when did that last album drop? 2016 or so? I guarantee yeah. you when she was going around the circuit, she wasn't saying, hey, y'all, this is trash. I'm sure she was saying, this is the best album ever, and I can't wait, and I'm so excited, and it's a new side of me. Same stuff artists always say. So when you say stuff like that and then go back, it's kind of like, well, can we believe you? Because last time you said it was that heat. That's why I think that kind of be careful with some of this stuff that y'all just be throwing out here. Think before you talk, y'all. Anyway, I, I listened to the album. I've written a review. I'll post it when it gets closer to the release date. We've got a couple weeks until that review, until the album actually drops. You can check out Soul and Stereo once the album drops to get my thoughts in full. But just in general, I kind of agree with Kyle, what he's saying. The sound is... She definitely, the I think her um, label now is called Rock Soul. So it's definitely rockin' soulish. It's not straight up R&B as like that first couple of albums like she had. There's lots of trap. There's some gospel. There's some pop. There's some rock. It's kind of all over the place. And that's one thing that's kind of a detriment. when you And you can make it work. If you look at Rasan Patterson's album which dropped earlier this year, it might be one of might be the best R&B project of 2019. He did a great job of mixing different sounds and making it sound cohesive. This album has a whole lot of different sounds, but they sound like they're pulled from different projects and it makes it hard for as a kind of a package to sound cohesive across the board. There's a middle section of the album that I really like. It's like enough and then like maybe two or three songs after that. Enough, by the way, of course, by far the best song here. It's also the most Fantasia sounding song here. But there are lots of kind of big ballady type songs in the middle that really work well. And the other stuff sounds okay. But like I said, it just sounds like it's from different projects. So it doesn't feel cohesive. I don't really think it's that much better than the last album. I know she said it was the worst thing ever. But I thought it was okay. And I think this album's okay. That's kind of like in the same wheelhouse. I don't think it's better than... I think her first album is still better than all of these. So, I don't know what to tell you, Tasia. But I think her fans will enjoy a couple songs off of this. But this big, oh, this is the new side of me. This is the one I get it right. Yeah, it's an album. And I think it's important to note that she sounds good on this album. So, you oh, never know these Oh, she definitely does. That. No question. That's that's true. You never know. But she vocal. I have no problem with her vocal performances. She sounds great. It's just the production is just kind of all over. Yeah. Now, Ed, we do have an album that's dropping next week. It's uh, an album, an artist that you're not very fond of right now. It's our homegirl, mm-hmm. Summer Walker. Yeah. You know how we she, talked earlier about artists that just every song sounds the same like why you got to sound like you're asleep whether you're happy sad mad want to kill somebody or in love that's summer walker well she dropped a new song earlier in the week it features a boogie with a hoodie and that song clocked in at two minutes and nine seconds ed how does a song with a feature still clocking at two minutes <laughs> i think these songs each day they have like one verse they have like the hook and then that's it. And then, like, even the rappers don't do 16 bars anymore. They do, like, eight. And this is a boogie with the hoodie and not boogie. I like, for the record, I like boogie. If boogie has a hoodie, I ain't with it. So give me my boogie without the hoodie. That's the one I like. This boogie, I don't like. <laughs> well, My hip-hop fans through... know what I'm talking about. Right. Well, Ed, let me go through the track list with you here. Um, and then we can try to figure out what this project's going to sound like. Are you ready? Oh my gosh, hit me with it. This is going to be interesting. So playing games is the Destiny's Child sample, right? Yes, and that one's a snoozer. Well, we're going to add on to the snooze fest. Bryson Tiller will be joining her on the remix. Oh boy. Well, I can't wait for that vocal powerhouse there. Uh, we've got Usher on the album. That's exciting. Doing what? He's on a song. He's singing? Uh, we're not sure yet. <laughs> Again, uh, you can s- never tell these days. Uh, we, we got Six Lack. Or Black, six, I guess. L- oh my god, Six Lack, yes. Black is the man's name. 
party next door. Oh gosh, if the party's next door, I'm moving out of the neighborhood. Oh, and then Ed, uh, this song I think will stand out. Track 15 featuring Janae, um, cult-like music anthem Aiko. She has a song with Summer Walker. It's a collaboration, and the title is called I'll Kill You. <laughs> I told you, she's trying to kill us all. It's going to be another one of her zombie songs, so she's hypnotizing the populace. Are we allowed to endorse violence on this podcast? Well, I mean, I threaten to kill either you or Tom every week, so who are we to judge? Fair enough. So this album is going to be 18 songs long. We're going to put a bet on this, Ed. How many of these 18 songs will be four minutes long? Wait a minute. This album is 18 songs long. I guarantee you that 15 of these songs will be two minutes or less. I will. I, I promise you this, the total runtime of this album will be 33 minutes. I will bet <laughs> money on that. I promise how, you that album will not be longer than 35 minutes. But Ed, how many songs will be four minutes? No more than three. Man, you're letting her off easy. I was going to say like one. So that's number three. No, we'll, we'll I will give her... Yeah, I'll give her number three, and I'll give her a couple more of, like, the Usher song, maybe. And then, like, she'll have one more near the end where she gets all really deep. She's going to get extra money on this one, and then that's going to be the deep song. But we need to write this down. She's going to have it three songs over four minutes, and the total runtime is going to be 33 minutes. We're going to go back and see if this is true next week. I promise you we will not be wrong. All right. We will definitely have to. I'm going to mark that down right now, actually, Ed. Yes, do that. Now, another album I want to talk about here, um, the King of R&B, Jaquise, just dropped a new single. Ed, didn't he proclaim himself as the King of R&B like early this, early this year? Where's the album? No, that was last year he told that y'all that lie, because I oh. will never forget him getting in my man Keith's face about it. That was last year that I wanted to lay hands on him. And he was supposed to drop the album earlier this year. But every time I see him, he's on Instagram horribly singing some song from the 90s. Stop singing 702. They didn't ask you to sing that song. Wow. But, Ed, think about it. He created all this buzz, really got the internet talking about him and R&B, yet the album is still not out. Does that mean there's just not a demand for Jaquise music amongst R&B fans? <laughs> what is going on? I don't know. I don't. I I have never been able to unravel the riddle that is Jacquees because as much crap as I give him and the crap is deserved, as you know, I thought his last album was okay and you thought his last album was good, but he just cannot get out of his way. I think we haven't seen the album because he has put so much pressure on himself that he know he can't deliver. Like he will not give us an album until it is in his mind perfect because if he comes out with anything any less than perfection he is going to get eaten alive and he definitely should so that's what i think the hold up is i think there's a higher likelihood of summer walker dropping a five minute song than jacques having a five-star <laughs> album at this point Ed. i think that is very true but stranger things have happened we actually did like jacques's last album so we'll see what the young king does um, Ed, there God. was an album that was re-released this week. Tedra Moses re-released her debut album, which is a cult classic to many people, including uh, us. And there's a bonus song on there. Ed, isn't it cool that artists can celebrate their music and stuff that they've put out in the past? And Ed, you'll like this one. Tedra's dropping the album, and all profits go towards single parents. Yeah, I saw her talking about that on Instagram. Shout out to my girl, Tidra. Big, big, big supporter of both Soul and Stereo and, you know, I got Soul. But yeah, man, she has been very vocal about her journey as a single parent and how really her first album saved her life because she was kind of in a rough spot and didn't know what to do with her life. And this album really turned things around. So this is her giving back. And this is a great way to not only continue the legacy of this album, because in 2003, 2004, whenever that thing hit, it went really unappreciated because it was just, I feel like it was ahead of its time. That album dropped later on 
when the marketplace wasn't so crowded with the ushers and Alicia's and everybody else. I think it might have got a stronger look and be more beloved. But that album is one that is definitely deserved to be heard by every R&B fan. It's incredible. It's one of those ones that just keeps getting better with age. This is a great way to celebrate that legacy and give back to those who need help. you got to love my girl, Teja. One of my favorites. Yep. And uh, correction, not all profits go towards single parents. Some some of the profits. I think she still needs to pay well, some of that she money. Gotta, <laughs> sister got to pay her bills. So, yeah, she got kids. Right. I ain't mad at that, but she's giving, and that's something that I'm glad that she had on her heart to do. Shout out to my dog. Fair enough. So, Ed, I want to quickly hear, you did a ranking of Joe's discography, one of our beloved R&B artists, probably the most beloved. Everyone looks at him as the modern-day Stevie Wonder, but, Ed, you had a chance to rank the albums. Give me your overall thoughts, because I, I do want people to go and read it on your site, but... From my understanding, All That I Am is number one. Number two is My Name is Joe. And we all love those albums. What did you take away from the remaining projects? Man, let me um, let me get it some, some reality here, as as I am known to do. And if you got beef, E.T. Bowser on Twitter, send me your hate mail so I can ignore it. I have been fascinated over the past decade or so of the overwhelming love for the man, Joe. You don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of Joe. But as you mentioned, there's like a portion of the internet that really does see him as like the Stevie of our generation, which I've always thought was way overplaying him. And don't get me wrong, because like I said, I'm a great Joe fan. And I think this ranking really proved to me that Joe has a great consistency but Joe also has some stuff that ain't too great. And that shouldn't take away from his greatness. But there is some stuff that wasn't that great. So getting through this, it's funny. A lot of Joe fans don't realize how extensive his catalog is. He's been out for well over 25 years. He's putting out an album pretty much every other year. The whole time he's been doing this music thing. So his catalog is extensive, and this list took forever. But you're right. The first two albums, the, well, the albums ranked number one and two are probably his most familiar, All That I Am and My Name Is Joe, by far his two most successful and beloved. But then he also has a few sleepers that I think people should really get to know because Double Back is an album that came out maybe five years ago. This in my top Joe five, my top five Joe albums because it is just that good. I think his debut, everything in '93, is funny. It's like Usher's album, Usher's debut. People forget about Usher's debut and act like he debuted with My Way. I'm like, no, he had an album before that. People act like Joe debuted with All That I Am. No, he was around way before that and had top ten singles. I think his debut is really good, and it's weird that it gets. Kind of tossed, not tossed aside in a bad way, but overlooked. And even Ain't Nothing Like Me, that's the album where he has just like a ton of hip-hop collabs all the way through it. Overall, looking at the track list, you're like, man, I don't want to hear all these rappers on a Joe album. But it works really well. So that's another one that I think is a sleeper. So going through his discography made me prove that while it's not as bulletproof as some of the Joe diehards make it seem... He's got some really, really underrated albums in there that deserve another look. So go check out Soul and Stereo. You can see the whole list. There's a bunch of albums in there. And Ed, since you've had a chance to listen to the full discography, I got one question for you. Yes. What is the man's full name? Oh my gosh. If you didn't know, because there are only eight albums named after his full <laughs> name. Joe Thomas. A new man. Joe Thomas. Hashtag. My name is Joe. Okay. Signature. Look at my signature. It's Joe. Dude is obsessed with his name. And he also has uh, the power theme song, which is like a modern day classic when it comes to our favorite TV shows. So shout out to Joe for that one. I literally watched this week's episode before hopping on this podcast. And I, it's my wife. My wife doesn't even really watch TV, but that is the one show that she is obsessed with. It's pretty good. I just yell at everybody. Just kind of like this podcast. Right. Well, Ed, can we get into the soul backtrack of the day here? 
We sure can. It's about that time. Can we go into, because we were talking about songs of this decade that we love, can we go with the song How to Love by Lil Wayne? What? No. I hate that song. No. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, can we go with the song Biz Ounce by Olivia? Now we talking. Yes, now we can do that. See, a couple, maybe about a week ago, a few days ago as of this recording, we celebrated Top One Hit Wonder Day. And everybody kills me with one-hit wonders because people name people like, this is how we do it. Montel Jordan is not a one-hit wonder, y'all. He's got plenty of hits. He just had one really big hit. But my girl Olivia had literally one hit, and that's it. And that hit was Biz Ounce, a song so stupid, yet so fun. And I want to give a shout-out to my friend Olivia, no relation to this Olivia, but when Olivia joined G-Unit and dropped the song Candy Shop, I'm pretty sure my friend Olivia had guys sliding in her DMs saying something along the lines of, Can I take you to the candy shop? Ed, in 2019, if someone said that to her, isn't that a Me Too movement? Oh my goodness. All she got to do is hash it. She got to screenshot it, put that thing on Twitter, and they are going to destroy whoever did it. That's a Me Too <laughs> waiting to happen. I love cancel culture. Uh, Ed, are we, ready to cancel? <laughs> are we ready to cancel some people in our Player Please Awards? We do it every week. Yes. Who are we going to tear up now? Um, well, will you be attending the Whitney Houston hologram tour? Um, absolutely not. If I'm only there, it's to turn off the machine. <laughs> well, Ed, um, they're going to be doing a Whitney Houston hologram tour. I think it starts in Europe. And um, yeah, she's going to be playing all the hits. Playing? Why are we watching? You know you are paying all this money to watch a cartoon Whitney Houston sing her songs. Let the woman rest in peace. If you want to listen to the songs, they got Spotify. They got Apple Music. They got Tidal. They've got YouTube. If you're an old head like me, you got the CDs. Let her rest. We don't need to see her like somebody holding a flashlight up, shining something around, now she's doing dances. It's so weird to me. Well, I think um, when Whitney Houston heard this news, she rolled over. But now that she's ready for tour, I think she'll feel good like a million dollar bill. Isn't that a song? Oh my god, I That's did kind of like actually. that song. <laughs> it's very catchy. Yes, yes, I can't hate on that song. But anyway, yeah, it's just. I don't know. It feels very icky, and it feels like a way for people to capitalize on her name. She's not there. It'd be like Tom isn't here this week, so we've got Tom, the Tom hologram on the podcast, y'all. Yay, give us money so we can split it amongst ourselves. Like, what? what? Like, if the person isn't there, let them rest in peace. Yep. Uh, the next player, please, and this one we don't really have to go too in-depth with, but uh, Nivea is set to drop an album soon. Uh, I think she already released it on Tidal, but that's for another day. Um, but Nivea You know what would be great, Kyle? What would be great? You know what would be wonderful? It would be wonderful if artists wanted to promote their album by coming on a Soul Back podcast. Yeah, I think Nivea was supposed to like four different times, and for, for some reason every time something happened and she couldn't make it. But I'm going to close my mouth because I'm not going to get us in trouble. I'm going to sip on this tea and not spill it. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Well, best of luck to you, Nivia. You're more than welcome to join uh-huh. us, but uh, Ed is not happy here. But Ed, no, I'm uh, not. someone else who's uh, getting tr- in trouble is Takashi69, who we talked about last <laughs> week. I read a recent report that states that he does not want witness protection. When he gets out, he's going to proceed with his rap career. Is that going to happen? Well, player, what? Yes, what else is he going to do? The man literally is a walking billboard of 6ix9ine tattoos. Like, is he going to, like, peel his skin off? He has no choice. And I doubt he has a master's degree in business administration. So, what he ain't got nothing to do except look stupid and make dumb raps. And, unfortunately, people are going to be dumb enough to buy it again. So, good for him. And someone made a great point over in the Soul and Serial Cypher on Facebook. Go join us if you haven't already. You know, we've been kind of acting like, oh, he's going to get shot on the street. But, I mean, this dude is snitching on rappers and low-level street dudes. It's in The Sopranos. So, 
he might be okay. I do worry about his family because they're innocent in all this. So, unfortunately, there's a great chance that he'll be back to disrupt us all with horrible music and horrible hair. <laughs> all right. And the last player, please, uh, Ed, your boy Little Nas X, who has been dominating Ugh. the charts for the last seven months, has decided to cancel his upcoming tour dates, and he's going to take a break because all the success has been too overwhelming. Ed, this makes me believe that he dropped that that country song as a joke, and it went big, and now he doesn't know what to do. That's exactly what happened. It's Let me, let me bring it in because I'm going to start saying stuff and start getting in trouble about people using him for their own means, but I'm going to chill out so we don't get the podcast canceled. But I will say this. It's pretty obvious by his career path that he was not ready to be, or even willing to be, like some kind of gigantical musical icon. He was just this dude that made a catchy song from a video game, and it blew up. Yay. I mean, good for him for having success, but this whole kind of revisionist history where we're trying to make him into some kind of legendary artist with all this thought behind his music. That's not really it. And I don't know if he ever wanted to be that. And it's kind of weird that people are kind of using him to prop up their own platforms. But I'm going to chill because I'm already going to get in trouble with Nivea's people. I don't want other people getting at me too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the one thing I'll say, say about Lil Nas X, I think he came out not too long ago and said he was gay. I could be wrong. Is this true, Ed? That's what they said. Yeah, so I don't think he understands the magnitude when you make a statement like that you're pretty much gonna be the face of that community and i don't think he was ready for that it's tough being an artist ed it's very tough especially at that age and especially in this time period where there are groups that are willing to be like okay here's a very popular person that can speak on the issues that i want so let's throw him out here put him in front of all these people let's let him be the face of a movement and this dude, can he drive? I don't even know how old he is. Like he's, he, I'm not sure he's ready to be placed in this position that he's placed in. And we're throwing him out there for an industry that's known for eating people alive. And in this era, where we're even more spotlighted because of social media, we're always in your business 24-7. It's a lot. That's why I keep saying, y'all got to back up off this hype of these people that have one little catchy meme song acting like they're michael jackson chill out <laughs> yep so ed that seems to be it for this week's podcast what's going on with you oh man what's going on with me other than i'm gonna have to take some um, medicine to get my blood pressure down these podcasts get me riled up player <laughs> but anyway go check out soul and stereo because as we discussed we are ranking joe's entire discography so that's quite the undertaking We'll have the Fantasia review up. Well, I guess that'll be week after next for album drop. So it'll be a couple of weeks before we'll be posting that. Also, for my hip hop fans, the baby. Now, this guy, I don't know if you know this guy, Kyle, but he has been making waves as supposedly the next newest, biggest, greatest of all time iconic hip hop artist. His second album, Kirk, dropped. And I have a review of that. So if you want an unbiased review of the baby and to see what all this hype is about, go check out soulandstereo.com and I will tell you if the baby is really that good. Uh, is he better than Little Baby or Birdman Baby? Yes, he's better than both. Wow. I will leave it at that. Is but that also shows. Is he better than Baby Face? Uh, no. Babyface, Huge Gap, Da Baby, then Birdman, then somewhere floating at the bottom of your toilet is Lil Baby. Does he have a song on the album better than the Bow Wow and Jagged Edge song, My Baby? <laughs> no. Um, and then lastly... Are his songs more, co more co coherent than Ariana Grande's pronunciation on the song Baby I? Yes. I don't oh. know any word on Baby <laughs> I except Baby I. That part where she's like... I'm like, what are you... He's talking like the uh, Micro Machines man. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Anyway, Ed, on, you know, I got, so I've been doing a lot of interviews recently. Uh, posted our tank interview last week. What else did I post? I posted an interview with Bobby V, newcomer Amber. I've got an interview coming up with Gallant next week. And I'll give you a funny Gallant story, Ed. Tom and I were digging through our emails for a Gallant contact, and we actually found an email that Gallant sent us in 2012 with an artist submission saying, hey, I'm this young guy from Maryland. I've got this new song out. Come check it out. And Tom actually posted it. So it would have been a way different situation if Tom had passed on it. I don't think I would be able to interview Gallant, but it'll be a nice moment yeah. to touch up with uh, with Gallant on. But see, that's, that's cool. Yeah. And it uh, also but, shows, that's why you got to show respect, because you never know who's going to be, you can't burn bridges, player. You never know who's going to blow. Yep. So at one point, we were bigger than Gallant. Yes. Now look, now we're begging him for interviews. How things <laughs> exactly. turn around. Uh, I got a BG the Chicago Kid interview that I did. I did an interview with Hitmaker. Who I, I know you're very excited about that one, Ed. Uh, and then I uh, can't wait. Got one with uh, with Claude Kelly and Chuck Harmony, Lewis York, I think is their name. So I've got a couple. Yeah. In, in the works here, Ed, uh, and we're just gonna keep it coming. Hopefully, you can join us for some of these interviews. It's always fun. But, Ed, I think that seems to be it for this week. Yeah, I think it's a... Man, you got a lot of stuff going on. We've got a lot of stuff going on. The year's wrapping up. Man, everything's popping in the world of R&B. The only thing I ask for is... You know what I really want? Here's my wish list before the year ends. I don't think this decade I have given a five-star review to an R&B album. We got two or three months left. Can somebody drop an album? That I can give a five star review to. That's all I not four and a half, because I've given some of those. Someone give me a five star review. That is your challenge. This is the end of September. Hook me up. Somebody come through. Well, Ed, elevation coming in late October from your boy Tank. Oh my god. I said five, not minus five. <laughs> Negative five right, don't Ed. count. You're gonna get in trouble soon, so we're gonna have to cut you off. We'll talk next week. All right, we'll be back. All right, peace.